I'm Hans. And I'm Laura. And we, we love, love to, to go, go to, to the, the movies. movies. Before the pandemic, we loved to go to the theater and watch a film on Saturday. And now we're doing it in our living room. But one way or the other, the one thing we love more than watching the movie is discussing it. So now we get to do it with you and a cocktail. So enjoy. Hans, Hans and Laura, Laura go, go to, to the, the movies. movies. Hi, movie fans. This week we watched the 2006 film, The Good German, directed by Steven Soderbergh. We watched this movie um, for a couple reasons, uh, one of which is Laura and I both thought that we had seen this film before. Uh, I believe that is because the title was easily confusable. Um, I believe I confused it with the film The Good Shepherd, um, starring Matt Damon, from approximately the same period of time. It's quite a different movie, though, has nothing in particular in common with The Good Shepherd. So. The Good German, why we watch it other than that? Well, it's starring George Clooney. Well, it's starring Tobey Maguire. Well, it's starring Kate Blanchett. Um, that seems like a pretty solid uh, three reasons to me why we might, might want to watch this. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think our thought was, is how did this never end up on our radar before? Absolutely. So we put it on the radar and watched the film this week. Exactly. What was it about, Laura? Uh, so it was, it took place... At the very end of World War II, um, it was during a peace conference that was being he held in... Right outside Berlin. Right outside Berlin, yes. Who... who, who I believe it was Potsdam, but... Yeah, and who controlled it was also very confusing. It seemed like different neighborhoods were controlled by different groups of people at that time. Yeah, that, well, that's how it was for the next 50 years, yeah. So, right, of course. So, this is a story of an American journalist that is embedded in the army, and he is back in Berlin um, to cover this conference and also happens to sort of fall into strange circumstances with his driver and who we come to find out is his uh, ex-girlfriend slash lover slash co-worker um and so we were you're kind of treated to this uh very interesting plot twist to figure out what's going on as this journalist is on the trail of something but he doesn't know what yeah that's 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 about that's that's a pretty good summary right there um and uh and, and and I think that that's a, that's that's the good description. Um, so what are we uh, what are we drinking? Uh, well, tonight we're just sticking with a classic, good old Jim Beam Black. Here's to that. So Hans, what did you think of the Good German? I enjoyed watching the the movie. I thought it was interesting. It was highly stylized and certainly done in the, um, you know, in a, a style that was extremely reminiscent of a classic uh, film noir, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so I thought that that was uh, kind of fun to watch and, and, and interesting. 
I had one primary issue with the movie, and I will just bring that up first because there was a lot that I actually really enjoyed about it. I'm not sure what you're going to say, Laura, but um, there's a lot that I, I did enjoy about it. But one thing that I found a, to be a stumbling block, especially in the beginning of the film, was the score. I felt that the uh, the score was um, not appropriate to the style of the film, especially in the beginning. I didn't have, excuse me, I did not have that problem so much towards the end of the movie, but in the beginning, I felt like it was a, um, uh, it was aiming very much for a, a visual um, spectacle that looked, you know, very much like it would have looked had this film been shot in 1947. But the music struck me as being much too, um, much too contemporary or contemporary circa 2000 Hollywood. Well, that's interesting. Um, I have no clue what the music was in the score. It made absolutely no impact on me one way or the other. Um, so I have no clue what you're talking about. Fair. That tracks with who we are. Yeah, it does. It certainly does. And I mean, that's not something that normally jumps out at me, but I just felt like there was a bit of, it, it was a bit disjointed in the beginning. It seemed um, between what I was seeing and what I was hearing and the music was jumping out to me too much and not in a way that was invoking the period that the, the visuals were going for. I appreciated the style of the film and sort of that film noir style. It very much was a movie that was intentionally shot like it should have been of that era. Yeah. I did find it interesting because I did find occasionally some of the scenes to be very washed out and like oversaturated. Yeah, sure. And you do see that in older films, so that could have been intentional, but I found that it, at times it was sort of so over the top, it was distracting. Yeah, um, I, I, think that's, I think that's a fair point. Mm -hmm. I also thought it was interesting because it seems like I mean, I'm assuming, maybe this isn't true, that they actually clipped real footage in with the filmed footage. And I also found that to be slightly distracting and also highlighting the difference between the fake film that was meant to be from that era and the real film that was from that era. Like, it was very jarring going back and forth in my mind because it was obvious. It sort of made, it almost created an uncanny valley, right? Because it it made the modern stuff that was filmed intentionally filmed like it was old feel off because it like was neither modern nor old. And I don't know that that would have been apparent to me had they not basically said like, here's real old stuff. Here's fake old stuff right next to each other. You know, like it was, it was a little bit distracting. Although I think it was kind of cool to see the footage. Um, my third complaint about well can i piggyback off yeah, that for, yeah. for a second yeah, go just for kind, it. Of, kind of riff i think that that's an interesting point and i was going to ask you um if you felt like at, at points in the movie if it wasn't trying too hard yeah and 100 percent. and i think that that's i think that's that's one of the issues it's sort of like you know i don't know let's take um uh, let's take a piece of furniture right or i think that you and i both like a mid-century modern aesthetic with furniture right totally yeah, but you know, if 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 we go out to buy a mid-century modern couch or chair or something like that, 
we don't really want it to look exactly like someone was trying to create something that was exactly made in that time period. Right. You know, we don't want a fake antique. We want a modern piece that, that is, is reminiscent. That is reminiscent and that is that is new unto itself. Right. But 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 harkens back to the sensibility of that style. And I think that this in some ways and I think that your example of the washed out, I found that kind of fun to watch yeah. because it's very much what some of those films look like. But the thing is, is if you were to go back to one of those those cinematographers or directors from that era, they wouldn't have said like, oh, we want to have this person washed out in the yeah. scene. It'd be like, oh, we couldn't get it any better with the film that we have. If they right. could, they right. almost certainly would have wanted to do so. Now that's different than like playing with the lighting and the angles right. and the you know and that sort of stuff that would be reminiscent of what right. the movie was going for. That makes sense, but we don't need to necessarily recreate the imperfections of those of that film any more so than you want to create a stylized film of that era and add in like the little like film blips that you would have right. if it was playing at the movie theater because they didn't want that. It was just something that happened. Right. And I mean, I think that that's, you know, part of maybe what also made it a little bit of an uncanny valley was like there were bits and pieces of it that clearly felt modern, even though it was black and white. And so it was strange to have that just juxtaposed with like the oversaturation. Could you give me an something. example? No, I don't think I can. Okay. You know, I don't know. I like, I just, I. I felt like as I was watching it, there wasn't, everything wasn't old, right? Like there still felt like there were some things and maybe this is part of, maybe this is like part of what you're saying is like, you're not gonna introduce a whole bunch of other imperfections that might exist of a film from that era. So maybe it was kind of off-putting to not have those other imperfections. And I agree, you don't wanna include those imperfections, but it was weird to include like the imperfection of oversaturation when the other imperfections that would have existed didn't exist. The only the only possible caveat that they'll give them for this, and perhaps since we're doing the podcast, we should actually know the answer to this because we could probably figure it out. But perhaps they were actually shooting with, um, you know, perhaps they were shooting, they're probably possibly shooting on film and um maybe they were but and, they were still controlling for stuff in other profound ways yeah. it seemed to me is the thing so i mean maybe they were shooting on film but i they still Which wouldn't have been uncommon especially in 2006 no but. but it would have also been um you know they would have they brought some other modern techniques in i think and i can't exactly pinpoint what that what those were well but, how about the score in the beginning maybe if I could remember the score, yeah. then there you go. I think we might be speaking to a similar point with that. Um, yes. There was something else I wanted to say that escapes me at this moment. I will say, here's another example, the dialogue, for instance. I found that in the beginning of the movie, you had some dialogue which seemed like it was intentionally written to sort of feel like an older film 
and like people from that era might speak. I'm thinking of some of the things that Tully said. Now we know that's not whatever persona Tully was giving was not actually who Tully was, but throughout the film, there were other characters who I thought spoke in a way in which would be unlikely that somebody from that time period, or maybe not, maybe not unlikely from that time period, but, but somebody in a film from that time period would not necessarily speak in the way in which people spoke. So there's an example of something modern mixed with something. And so it was kind of just a little bit off-putting that things just seemed off. So maybe that's more equivalent to your score. Yeah, I think that's probably an interesting point. I think that would we could do a second watch to focus in on the dialogue. Yeah, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting is, I mean, this film was 2006, so this is clearly much earlier, but only a couple years later, more than a couple, a handful, we had The Artist. Oh, The Artist. What a fantastic film that was. The Artist was a film that I don't think we had the same hangups with, you know, no, it's still, no, no. it's still, it brought what was old and what was new together in a really great way, I think. And it blended them into just a delightful work of art, you know? And so maybe this film aspired to do that, but I feel like it just sort of fell short. Mm -hmm. Again, for reasons I can't entirely put my finger on besides some of the stuff we brought up. But, like, I know when we watched The Artist, we didn't feel like this was awkward. It, somehow, the filmmakers just made it work, which is why it won Best Picture. But nonetheless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Artist was really, you know, really a masterpiece, I think, for, you know. It was a silent film, you know, that 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 actually... But it brought it, you know, like mm -hmm. it managed to to bridge the historical aspect of a silent film and modern modernity enough that it was believable for the audience, yeah. and we could just it really transported us in a way that I kept feeling dragged out of this film. Yeah. The other thing about this film was I found the plot line to be a little bit muddled. Okay, so so that's that's a good point to bring up there. Um, I'm interested to know what you have to say. I have a thought about this. Well, I'd be interested to know your thought, but I sort of, you know, I know the idea is, is that Jake, George Clooney George Clooney's character is sort of like chasing something. He doesn't know what, but something doesn't sit right with him, and he's trying to figure it out, and he's going, you know, and he's playing the game. But I just, I don't know. It just, nothing's, like, I understood what was going on, but I didn't find it compelling. So, so, it's a great, that's a great point. That's a great point, Laura. And, you know, I thought that I have two, two, two thoughts about this. Um, one of which is that I don't have a problem with the, conf with it being somewhat confusing because no. oftentimes with a noir, I think, you know, some of those noirs, it's, like, they had insanely complicated plots sometimes that were extremely intricate and difficult to follow with so many, you know, 
doubling backs and this, that, the other, and you couldn't really tell hide nor hair where things were going. Um, I think the problem, and maybe this isn't it, or maybe this is different than what you're saying, but I think I didn't fully understand um, Jake or George Clooney's character's motivation, I, I think. And I know that he had a motivation because apparently he was somewhat hung up with the Kate Blanchett character. But, but that was confusing to me, too. That never really panned out. That never fully made sense. Um, it, it, it really was, it was a bit inadequate. And, you know, the Jake character seemed to have all these connections. And, and, and yet his motivation was very tenuous. And also it seemed like he did no actual work during the movie, which was also confusing because presumably he would have had to do some work because he had a job. But... All he did was run around. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't fully understand. I don't understand his motivation. I think is is the problem that I have. You know, a motivation was provided, but it wasn't. It wasn't adequate or believable. And you know, I didn't even think about that. But I think you're right. I think for me, I was thinking more like somehow the pacing was off. Like I never. I know that like noirs aren't exactly action-packed films, but you usually have a point in a noir film where like the pace sort of picks up and it just sort of never felt that way. And some of that could have been the changing of the narrative, which I also thought was an interesting and somewhat confusing choice. Like the movie was sort of narrated by Tully. It was narrated by Jake and it was narrated by... Lena, Kate Blanchett's character. By you don't you mean more like there were different protagonists in different portions of the film? Or? No, it was actually narrated at points. There was actually voiceover narrations mm. that happened mm. at different points. And in the first third of the film, it was Tolly. In the middle, it was Jake. And then it switched over to Lena. So they kind of revealed things. But it was like sort of confusing because even as they were revealing things, we were we still had sort of like that dramatic you know sense where we could see what was going on with all the different characters and we were mostly following jake so that was kind of confusing even when tolly was taking the narration or you know it just it was all it was all a little bit muddled and i don't really understand what the point of the movie was not all movies need to have some sort of grand message but i mean the movie is named the good german and when the movie was over i thought was the good german supposed to be tongue-in-cheek was the husband the actual good german was lena the actual good german were they both good germans was the point was there was no good germans was it the point that the Americans were just as messed up as the Germans? I don't know. And maybe it was all of that. But it just, if you're going to name the movie The Good German, I feel like I should walk away understanding what that means. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I don't I don't disagree with you about that. I, I don't disagree. I, um, I have no problem with the title that might leave you, you know, feeling like, oh, I thought it meant something else, but it actually or, means this. 
But at the end, I'm really not sure. Or what even it was slightly exactly ambiguous. Like it wasn't even, even ambiguous. No, it wasn't. Here. It was just confusing. It was just, it was just confusing, right? Right, and, and I agree. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I think it's maybe fair, if fair to point out that we're watching this movie. No, five. Can we do math? Yeah. Um, well, 16 13, years. 14, yeah. Yeah, 16 years after it was made. So, you know, we were watching it from a different sensibility, you know, and, and, and different movies have been made since then. I, I think if you brought up the, you brought up the, um, the artist as a good example, um, I might also bring up Mank as another example. Um, and true but then also thinking about a war film it's hard not to think about movies that have been made since then like the tank movie that i uh, fury i knew we were going there which and is also okay, the, the other fury is a great film and underappreciated underappreciated war film and i was actually reminded of fury at several points in the movie when they were walking around like the partly demolished towns mm -hmm. because I don't feel like a lot of movies do a good job it's sort of like showing that destruction you'll no, probably um, disagree with me but well no a lot of movies don't do a good yeah. job of showing that destruction yeah I think I think some some do and yeah and then the, the other movie that I was reminded of which I can't remember the name of was the the Christopher Waltz Not Christopher Waltz, Christoph Waltz. Christoph Waltz? Yes. Inglorious Bastards? No. Maybe it wasn't Christoph Waltz. He was in Inglorious Bastards. No, I'm sure he was. Also. But not Inglorious Bastards. The one where he played a soldier pretending to be another soldier, the captain. Oh my, oh my, the captain. Movie fans. If you want a wild ride, a while, a wild ride, go watch the captain. Now, there's a lot of reasons why Fury and watch, the captain. Watch out. There's a lot of reasons why Fury and the captain are nothing like. Nothing like this movie, but I guess. I think. Both should. should but... They all question what it means to be a good soldier and, and sort of like highlight the point of just surviving. But I think that like Fury and the Captain, in my mind, are examples that really show the ambiguity of war in a way that this film, I think, and maybe as the repulsive, preposterous nature of war, also. Yes, totally. And I think this film sort of like aspired to do that by like trying to like create some ambiguities, but like it just didn't go far enough in my mind or it just wasn't clear enough like it instead of coming off as just ambiguous it came off just as muddled and confusing yeah 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 i i think i think you make um i think you make some good points there laura so for for all those movie fans out there who are saying to themselves my goodness i'm really itching to watch a 16 year old movie today what from 2006 should i watch this weekend um would you recommend going to watch this film? I mean, here's the thing is that at the end of the day, I did enjoy watching it. That being said, 
I also never, I think it's hard for me to ever say I don't recommend watching it because I never want to feel like I wish I had two hours of my life back. Yeah, and George Clooney was in it after And George all. Clooney was in it, and he was good. And it was interesting to see George Clooney, I mean, if it aired 16 years ago, probably 18 years ago, versus George Clooney today. Right. Right. Would you recommend it? If you were stuck inside the house on a rainy day and your options are watching. I think it's an interesting film to watch is yeah. what I would say. Recommend? Not exactly. I think it was interesting. I enjoyed watching it and it was worth talking about for a bit more than 20 minutes right now. So I give it that. There are lots of films where I can't say that much about it. So it was watchable. It was interesting. It was different. It was something that we could talk about, I think, yeah. and have opinions on. Right. So for all those reasons, I would say it was a worthwhile film. I can't exactly say, though, that I would recommend the film. Yeah, I think that's fair. I also think this is like, you know, on a scale of one to five, I would put this as a that three-star film, which is that, like, it's not an F. It's not the lower 50%. But also, 16 years from now, if we're channel surfing, and by channel surfing, I mean going through whatever iteration of apps are in the future, and this film comes up, I could easily see us starting again, starting it again and not remembering that we had ever seen it, because yeah. I don't know that it has a 16-year impact. We watch a lot of films, realistically, I'm just saying. Yeah, no, that's that's certainly right. And I mean, after all, 2000 year, 2006 did have some tough competition. It was the year the Final Destination 3 came out. <laughs> so just saying. Well, maybe we'll review that next week, Hans. Uh, you never know. I have a pretty strong idea that that's not going to be the case. Until next time. We'll see you at the movies. Everybody's entitled to their thoughts Everybody's entitled to their thoughts Everybody's entitled to their